And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. In my first few years of seminary, I had to uh, sign up for an internship in a local hospital. At that time, anyone who was pursuing ordination as a United Methodist minister, as part of their seminary education, either had to spend an intensive full-time summer or part-time during the school year serving as a chaplain at a local hospital. Now, this is another story for another day, but I was not thrilled about being in seminary in the first place. I'd already told the Lord I didn't want to be a preacher when I grew up, that I did not want to be in ministry, I didn't want to be in seminary, and here I was having to do something else I didn't really want to do, which was to work in a hospital for long days and long nights. Part of this requirement that we had as a chaplain was to be on call. So there were one or two nights those weeks that me, a 23-year-old, you know, recent college graduate with no work experience, was the only chaplain, the only ministerial presence in the whole hospital. And it was frightening, it was hard, and it was also where I learned, I had probably some of my greatest educational moments, not just to become a pastor, but just as a human being, being with people in some of the darkest nights of the soul um, and being with them and the ways that we, that we saw God work and God meet us there. But in the meantime, I still wasn't happy about it. This was not how I had been planning to spend my summer. And on top of that, I was assigned to the hospital that was my last choice. And the reason that this hospital I was assigned to was my last choice was that the pastoral care department was interfaith. And, um, and they had an interfaith pastoral care department so that they could meet the religious needs of all the patients. It was really a, one, a wonderful model, but it was um, difficult for me because they told us up front we could not wear religious symbols. No religious symbols could be worn. And I, as you can see, I wear crosses all the time. I'm actually wearing one with the dress that I'm wearing today as well. I wore one particular cross at that time every single day. And I was just so upset about this. I said, this isn't fair. I want to be able to wear my cross and let people know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I was leaning on that cross to be my symbol of who I was as a Christian. And I, of course, I knew better than to complain to my supervisor about that. So I did what any of us would do. I called my parents and complained to them instead and said, this just is not fair. Why are they, why are they making me? I mean, I should be able to wear my cross if I want to. And I just went on and on and on. And finally, my dad just very gently said to me, well, sweetheart, you're going to have to find, figure out other ways to wear the cross there. And I said, now, Dad. If I am not allowed to wear a cross around my neck, they're, going, they're also going to make me go home and change if I wear a cross on my T-shirt. That is not going to work. And he said, no, 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 you're not listening to me. He said, you have to find other ways to wear the cross in your life. He said, you have to show that you are a follower of Jesus by the way you treat people and not by what you wear. And that stuck with me over that summer and in the years that followed. Because sure enough, at the first few days, I still wore my cross, but I hid it underneath my collar. 
And I would wear that cross and say, okay, it's not showing, but how can I show this love without this, without this physical cross showing? And with time and with experience, I was no longer wearing the cross around my neck that summer. I didn't depend on it like I did. Instead, I was learning with God's help and with a whole lot of guidance from a whole lot of patient people to live the cross in my life, to put on the armor of light that Paul is talking about today. And friends, the truth is I'm still working on that. We're all still working on wearing the cross in our lot with our lives and with our actions because that is what we are called to do as Christians. In today's passage from Romans, as we have adorned and dressed the sanctuary, Paul has given us today a dress code for our lives as well. And it's a pretty simple dress code. If you look at verse 12, you hear him say, put on the armor of light. And then in verse 14, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are one and the same. Putting on light means putting on Christ. And how do we put on light? Not just with what we hang around our neck. Yes, the the crosses that we wear, the crosses that we hang on our homes, they do proclaim the good news that we believe in the Lamb of Calvary. Yes, they speak a good word. But also when we live out the love of Jesus in our lives, that's when we start to really put on this armor of light. And to fully understand what Paul is talking about here, I encourage you when you go home today or during your quiet time this week to read the entire chapter of Romans 13. And especially the verses leading up to this because they really explain and lay out for us what Paul is talking about. The verses immediately preceding this are all about Paul reiterating what Jesus said, love your your neighbor as yourself. And he said, and, and that is what leads up into this command of our spiritual dress code of putting on light and putting on Christ. He's saying that we put on light and we put on Christ by how we love each other. And and the thing about it is, friends, yes, we can say, I you know, I try to love I'll try to love my neighbor every day as I love myself. I love the Lord my God and I want to show that forth in my actions and not just in what I wear around uh, the, the cross that I wear around my neck. And we do try, but this Advent season we are invited to really stop and ask that question. How am I putting on Jesus day after day? And I want to invite you to think very simply about Paul's analogy here of armor. Now, in Paul's day, a soldier who wore armor, this was not just some costume that was thrown on very quickly. The armor that a soldier wore in Paul's day took time and took forethought and took a lot of effort to put on. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul is talking about the armor of God, he breaks it down. There's a helmet, there's a breastplate, there's something that goes around your waist, there's something that goes on your feet. There are two different types of shields that you need. The soldiers of Paul's day, they had to give a lot of time and a lot of training to what they wore every day. And some of us, I'm sure there are days we wake up, some of us, We look in the closet, and we have no trouble just out of habit picking out something to wear today. Some of you may have even done that this morning. You knew exactly what to take out. Then others of you are like my mom, who is not here today, so I get to tell this story on her, who uh, has about three different options, and she thinks through every single one and then has to go through and match everything up. Some of us think that way. But what we are invited to think about Um, What Paul is inviting us to do here, thinking about this armor that we put on, putting on light as our armor, it's not just to protect us from the evil powers in this world. Putting on Jesus Christ means shining that light 
in the darkness of the world. And God invites us to stop and think about every day, how am I putting on Jesus today? How am I putting on that light? Advent invites us to stop and look within and ask ourselves that question. Because what we are doing when we do that is we are asking God to clothe us in his righteousness. And how are we dressed in righteousness? How are we clothed in that righteousness of Christ? It comes as Paul says in verse 13, this direct command, let us live honorably. Let us live honorably. Well, how do we live honorably? We live honorably by making good choices. Every day we are faced with decisions of choosing right or wrong, good or bad, light or dark. But the truth is, friends, we live most of our days making decisions in the gray area of life where one decision is not necessarily a bad decision, but it may not be the best decision. We spend much of our lives making choices on what is, what is one, one that is better than another. And Jesus wants to be a part of that decision-making process. And one of the ways we can invite Jesus to be a part of that decision process is asking him and bringing him into our everyday conversations and our everyday prayers with him and asking him to help us with the choices we make. And we can ask ourselves, does this decision honor Jesus in my life? Does this decision honor the presence of God and does it shine forth that light? And Paul does a great job of listing for us in that same verse six different works of darkness that are sins against ourselves and against our bodies and sins against our neighbor. In fact, you can take this verse 13 and go back and look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and you can see the parallel to them. These are the things that God is saying for us to avoid and not to do because they hurt ourselves and they hurt our neighbors as well. God is inviting us to put aside those works of darkness and dressing ourselves in light. The light transforms us from within. And and, and in the midst of Advent, as we are thinking about how we spend our time paying attention to our choices, that will help us uh, to know how to live honorably. Because the truth is, friends, Jesus dressed us in righteousness when he gave of his body and his blood that we will remember today when we come to this table. He made us right with God. He dressed us in righteousness. But we as his followers have to choose every day how we are going to live the cross in our lives, how we are going to wear that armor, how we can make decisions that would please him. And he wants for us to be careful and and aware of time and use our time wisely. And at Advent, these days leading up, these weeks leading up to Christmas, as we prepare for Jesus' birth, as we light the candles, as we adorn the sanctuary and we prepare our hearts, we want to encounter him in a new way. And in order to to come against those works of darkness in the world, we begin not at the manger, but we begin at the place where darkness lost its power. We begin at the cross. We begin where Jesus gave his life. And so that is why we are going to gather around this table today. And in the weeks to come, we're going to move back in time, back from the cross to the life of Jesus. And then from the life of Jesus back to that manger, that baby in the manger in Bethlehem and how his entrance into the world dispelled the darkness clothed us in righteousness so that we could be children of light. As we go into this week, I invite you to do something very simple. When you get dressed in the morning, ask Jesus, how can I wear you today, Lord Jesus? How can I put on your light 
and your life. And then at the end of the day, as you're getting ready for sleep, ask the Lord, what do I need to take off today? What do I need to leave behind? What is no longer serving me? What is the darkness or the gray area that needs to go? In your everyday routine, in our everyday routines, friends, let's invite the presence of this not an ordinary everyday baby to come in and transform us and bring forth the light that he brought into the world as our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit. To him belongs all glory now and forever. Amen.